0: let's shift into wellness. I'm your host, Amber Patchla, wellness advocate, food lover, oils enthusiast, and lover of life. In this podcast, we will touch on all things wellness and journey together to become our healthiest and strongest selves in body, mind, and spirit. Join me and my amazing guests every Tuesday for your dose of positivity and overall health tips. Thanks so much for being here with me. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Shift into Wellness, and thanks so much for being here again. Dedication is one of my recent favorite topics. It seems like people are often seeking motivation or blaming their lack of effort or results on not finding it. Dedication is commitment. Making a commitment to yourself, your health, and your purpose is just so important. But is it actually as hard as it seems? Not for everybody, or maybe it is hard, but some people choose to power through as the end results are far superior to the outcome of not taking action. The more I thought about dedication and the just do it mindset, I knew the person I had to talk to about this with was my CrossFit coach, Chris Stoutenberg. Chris is a paraplegic athlete having experienced an accident at 20 years old that left him in a wheelchair without use of his legs. Think about that. What would you do if that happened to you? Chris chose dedication. He worked his ass off in rehab. He continued to harness in on his natural athletic abilities and was a three-time participant and gold medal medal winner in the paraplegic Olympics for wheelchair basketball. He went on to become a certified crossFit instructor and developed WheelWOD, a platform dedicated to providing competitive adaptive fitness to coaches and athletes. He wed a beautiful wife, Sarah, has two sons, three jobs, and it's just the biggest fucking stud in my opinion. I hope you listen to his story and his outlook on life. and the next time you can't find my motivation, Think of him, suck it up, and get to work. Welcome, Chris.
1: <laughs> hey, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for being here. You know that um, I just really appreciate, we've had conversations before, and I just re- I really appreciate your outlook on life and your just do it attitude and your commitment um, to being the best you can be and to also to helping others be the best that they can be. Uh, so I just thought, let's share your story on this, on this platform and uh, get people's asses maybe in gear. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Chris, your story is pretty wild. Um, can you tell us a little bit or a lot about your life journey? Uh,
1: yeah. So um, I don't know. I've told this story so many times. <laughs> uh, the I was, you know, uh, your regular, um, High school athlete uh, played all the sports. Anything that I could uh, definitely play, I played, and uh, just enjoyed individual and team sports all together. But um, I just was much happier in a space where I was competing or training mm-hmm. or being in, a, in a, you know an environment with friends that uh, that had athletics built to it. So uh, I did a bunch. From playing with the OBA, the Ontario Basketball Association, football, uh, track and field, snowboarding, skateboarding, anything—basically, golf team, even in mm-hmm. the season. So, just things to get to get done. And uh, when I was uh, getting ready to go to University of Guelph, where I got uh, an invite to play football with them uh, during that summer break. Actually, just a couple months away from, actually, one week away from training camp. Uh, I just had uh, a freak accident happen to me at a friend's, and the balcony collapsed, and I dropped a couple stories down. And uh, when kind of came back to, uh, I was in the hospital on my way to uh, to Toronto to get in a helicopter, and was kind of told that I'd broken my back and was going for surgery, and wasn't sure really what mm-hmm. was going to happen. And uh, then you know woke up in Toronto after. I think it was close to a 24-hour surgery of them kind of reconstructing my spine with um, metal rods and plates. I ended up with a T6, T7, which would be thoracic 6, thoracic 7, break in my spinal cord. I was luckier than most when you break your spinal cord because because of the way I impacted, the spine didn't snap in half. It kind of exploded. So it was just like you think of like the way a shotgun explodes. That's how kind of the bones went through my spinal cord, okay. but didn't cover it all the way. So there was lots of things that didn't work, and lots of things that did work. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I, but I wasn't completely paralyzed from that level, but but uh, more was receiving more on the feeling side than I was on the on the movement side. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how your spinal cord works. It's like if you think like you took a bunch of wires that all do certain things, and you twist them in a bunch and then so you could break on one side or here and uh it can affect somewhere else in your body so uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was like it was uh you know tr- obviously just tr- a traumatic experience but um i remember my first day of really coming to and the doctor telling me oh you're not going to walk again and you know surgeons are just blunt and they just give you the,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the real deal and uh you know for the that's a shock to the system and a lot to handle, you know, at the age of 19, uh, looking to do one thing with my life. And all of a sudden my life had completely changed. Uh, but I was a quick turnaround. I just, um, in that experience, I just kind of made up a decision very quickly within days, actually, that I just was like, Mm. this is the way life is going to be. Then let's figure out how this life is going to work and just kind of moved Forward from there i didn't um i didn't want to take the time i guess i don't know i didn't want to take time to have a chance to to feel sorry for myself because it, that wouldn't change anything that's not gonna yeah. make no difference nothing's gonna change we know the situation and so it's like let's deal with the situation head on and that was kind of the way i always lived anyways i was very uh injured multiple multiple times <laughs> before i broke up yeah my, uh, you know um, so it's just dealing with another injury and and this one's just a little bit more severe. So you just
0: figure <laughs> it out and move forward. I love your attitude. <laughs> um okay, amazing. I mean, I just your your nonchalantness is is quite and your matter of factness because it is such a fascinating way to look at it. Like how the hell else are you gonna look at it? So on that note other people did or do look at look at something an injury that severe very differently and last summer you were telling me about being in I believe you're in the hospital or rehab facility and you had a roommate I'll call him um who was in a very very different mindset who, who felt very the way that you described it he felt very down and very defeated yeah. so my question is how like how did you find the courage not only for yourself but you have you had energy and, and for positivity and encouragement for someone else at such a tumultuous time in your life.
1: Um yeah it, I just I don't can't people have asked me this before and I, I don't think yeah. I've owned courage or developed courage. I just it's just who what my genetic makeup is I guess or the way I was raised or whatever. I just I I didn't look I didn't want to look for an excuse to hide behind. It was really what mm-hmm. it came. I didn't want to be like, well, I can't do this, so because I'm in a wheelchair, I'm not going to be able to do these things or mm-hmm. I you know feel not a part of society or whatever. And I was just kind of you know the roommate where I was telling you about uh, he was very similar situation as me with um, but he also had family and a daughter. And uh, mm-hmm. just um, he just never turned that corner. Uh, he relied on pain medication a lot, which just yeah. uh instruction. I, I was only I was in critical condition and then I was the minute I was out of critical condition, I was demanding for a wheelchair. So I was like front runner to sp- the spinal cord research center that we were both at. They just were like get them out of here we don't we never see people just like say they want to get moving and not (laughs) they sent me there and when i first got to lynhurst which is the hospital in toronto this research center um they were like okay well this is june you're going to be here until at least december and i remember my first sit down with the doctor that i had there i said oh no i'm i'm going back to school in september in guelph and they're Mm -hmm. like no that doesn't happen. You can't, you won't be able to learn everything you need to know before you can move. And I was like, no, I'm going to the dorms. I have a dorm room. I have a roommate. I was like, they've already switched it to a wheelchair uh, accessible oh. room instead. And I was like, no, I'm going, I'll, I'll figure it out. And they only give you, and it's not because it's like, they, they just don't have the capacity. So they can only really give you an hour with a physical therapist and an hour with like a occupational therapist once mm-hmm. a day. Okay. The rest of the day is not yours.
0: Much.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, that's just because the amount of people that are in there and, and that need attention and there's, you know, shortage of doctors and everything else. It's not
2: yeah.
1: the, the facilities fault at any means. That's just what is, is possible. And there's a lot of places that don't give you that. So uh, I just realized, well, you have all these other hours in the day and where am I going to be doing? I could see guys sitting around playing cards. I could see people super depressed it yeah. was a gymnasium and there was a workout gym that you could go in at any time so i started just working out on my own trying to figure it out and then some of the trainers would be like what, what are you doing in here and i was like oh i just
2: i'm, work out.
1: Out. <laughs> I'm just i'm gonna work out and there so they took an interest in me very quickly and we like well this guy's here on his own he's not being told to be here he's not being forced to yeah. be here so they started to help uh and then I realized I could see what everybody else was doing that had been there longer because they were just off to the side of the gym. So I would pay attention. I would sit and basically just like pay attention to what they're teaching them. So by the time I'd have my next hour session the next day, be like, okay, we're going to go over these skills. And I was like, I can do them all. I got them. Let's do them, <laughs> them in a couple minutes. So they would boost me along. All right. And, uh, and I just stayed with that. Uh, I just stayed with that attitude of like, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to yeah. be kind of brought down by um, others that were struggling. But I also did my best at that point in time to get them to come with me. And I convinced quite a few people to start like, like doing things in their off time other than just. Mm. Um, uh, so, yeah, but it was like uh, June, July, by the end of July that I'd already gone home twice. Like just <laughs> like they were like, oh, you you know, you can go home for the weekend. Yeah, or, yeah. And uh, and been out with my friends and living, and uh, near the end of July, coming into August, the doctor's like, we don't really have anything else to teach you. Do you wanna go?
0: <laughs> Let alone <laughs> September.
1: <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. I was, oh. uh, my parents had, had, um, had some support through uh, Rick Lloyd and a few other people that had built like an addition off their house. Mm. Had, uh, you know, it was all accessible, had an accessible shower, Bathroom, kitchen, living. Amazing. Yeah, I was very thankful for that and uh, yeah. an accessible entrance because my house that I was living in uh, with them was not uh, mm. accessible at all. Mm. So that gave me the ability to kind of come and go uh, before I went to school and practice kind of cooking and doing things on my own without having mm. to go to the other side of the house. So I did a lot of that, and then yeah, I went to school. I went to the University of Guelph in September and never kind
0: of amazing chris as you're saying that i'm kind of thinking about uh where sort of where you are in life now um you know and, and you said you you were just taking the initiative and watching other people and then you actually got a couple of other people that were there to work with you did that um did that sort of set things off in your mind for your future of coaching or was that even on your radar back then
1: no i i don't i don't didn't ever really think about coaching. I coached with my mom. My mom was a basketball coach. Okay. I helped coach with her uh before I broke my back and enjoyed it. Like it was great. Mm-hmm. It was like you know, I was coaching kids in the same school as me. It was yeah. which is a little different, but um but like I enjoyed it. I just never really kind of took a shine to it until after uh competing. Like once okay. I finished competing and realized okay, like what's the next step? What am I going to do? Yeah. I was like why why don't I take the knowledge that I've learned over you know 15 years of traveling around the world and playing sport and yeah. help other people with that.
0: And something that comes obviously naturally to you because nobody asked you to help those people. You just did it, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I just it's I'd rather I'm like I, I again, like I'll play an individual sport cuz I'm competitive and I like to win, but uh, mm-hmm. I much before I prefer a team Kind of atmosphere, Whether yeah. That being like a team sport, or or like even in CrossFit, with um, you know, just like people Good. that are supporting each other, learning from each other, and yeah, building each other up. That's that I like that environment. And I kind awesome, of yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So so speaking of, of team sports, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a three time Paralympics athlete. playing wheelchair basketball for Canada, which is freaking awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what did it take to get there? So we already have established that you're dedicated, that you're, you know, you have a, just do that, just do it mindset, but it's still to be a part of something so special. And, and you still have to, I would, I would imagine try out and make a team and, and excel at this sport. Like you're playing at a very, very highly competitive level. So what did it take for you to get there?
1: Uh, it was really fast, to be honest. Probably the fastest, <laughs> probably ever happened for anybody in,
2: of course. in the sport.
1: I uh, so I was a very good basketball player, um, and uh, when I was in Lyndhurst, I was trying to figure out how to shoot a basketball from a wheelchair. So when I got to University of Guelph, I met another guy on my floor that had cerebral palsy that played wheelchair basketball in Burlington, which wasn't far from Guelph, and he was, mm-hmm. like, "You want to come and try?" It was just rec league or whatever, but he was like, "Do you want to come and try it out?" And I was like, "Sure." And uh, the biggest obstacle for me was just getting used to the chair and how to move it and understand positioning mm. stuff. It wasn't uh, like I had all the skill sets. I could dribble with both hands, shoot with both hands. I I understood how plays broke open and mm-hmm. and where guys move. So that stuff was already in my like kind of in my repertoire. So it was just practicing skills. So I, that's all I did. I just practiced moving with the ball. Like I just would go out in the driveway of our residence. I wouldn't even get a basketball and go to a basketball net. I just practiced. I would dribble to school. So I had to go up. the. I don't know if you've been to Guelph, but they have this yeah. hill. Yes. I up to, so I would dribble my basketball up the hills, which meant I had to oh bounce the ball, push two hands, bounce the ball, push two hands mm. the course of fourth to class. And, uh, I just always kept the basketball on my backpack and uh, picked up those skills really fast. So that year uh, when I first started playing with Burlington, we played in the tournament in Toronto and the Ontario junior coach saw me and was like, we would like you to try out for the Ontario junior team. We're going mm. to, play. we're going to Canada games this year and uh, we'd like to try out. So I tried out and I learned more about the sport from some higher level coaches and, uh, they select me to that team. We actually won the Canadian Canada Games. So that's like each province against each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We won that. Uh, and at that Canada Games, the Canadian team coach came to me and said, We're going to Britain for a tour. We would like you to come. They're just oh, doing wow. a fun tour. They're like, We would like you to be, you know, we have 12 guys, but we're we'd like to bring 13 so you could. Get the experience because we think this is a good spot for you i think that we think the national team is is definitely in your base so yeah i Mm. got home and said to my uh roommate and was like i'm packing my bags i'm going to great britain (laughs) for a week we'll go play with these guys and met all the national team guys and got to train with them and played some minutes on the court and learned a lot and yeah uh, in the following year so that would have been uh that that was right around just before christmas so they're building the next year to go to 2000 paralympics uh sydney and uh i got a invitation to go to university of illinois and play wheelchair basketball there um so i changed schools I played university basketball division one for illinois and
2: i didn't know that tried <laughs> Yeah,
1: I played there for four wow. years. Tried out for uh, the national team, made it, and that was it. I went to the to Sydney. We won gold. <laughs> uh, after that, I won a starting job as point guard and stayed there until I retired.
0: Freaking between, right, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So between, you said so you, you said that you said the number uh, the year two thousand there. Yeah. That's when the, the 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 coach from Canada asked you.
1: Yeah. He asked the end, me in the nine. Yeah. At the is 90. it
0: correct? Was your, was your accident in 97,
1: 90? Yes. 97. Yeah.
0: So 97 and by 2000 you I were freaking... in 98. So it was in
1: 1998 when I started playing wheelchair basketball.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing to me. Okay. So <laughs> I love that. And I just want to talk about your story because it just shows what my fave word lately dedication can do for you. So Chris, like honestly, truly, and I said this to you before we started recording, when I think of dedication, I think of you. Yeah. especially when I think of dedication versus motivation. So how would you define dedication and the importance of dedication? Like I know you say for you these things come naturally, but you must talk to other athletes and, yeah. and clients and things like that or or your sons about dedication. how do you how do you define dedication?
1: Um, yeah we I talked to actually I talk to my kids about it all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I got a guy in a motorcycle dripping by here
0: no worries. Um, <laughs> oh man
1: big harley there he goes. <laughs> Sorry. um he uh, motivation to me is like I don't know like some way to be inspired to start something okay right? so see yeah. something or you hear somebody and mo- and it motivates you to say I want to try that or I want to do that or I want to be like them mm-hmm. and that's motivation that's it you can't rely yes. on motivation any more than that you can't like you've been motivated yeah now it's your job to stay motivated or stay dedicated and dedication means like you do things when you don't want to do them like you yeah. do them because you've decided to do them uh and you've set yourself a goal or you've set yourself something that you would like to achieve Uh at some point in time. Oh, are we frozen? Shit.
0: Hey, everybody. We just had a little Zoom issue. We're back, (laughs) Chris. uh, So you just sort of told us um, your definition of motivation, and we are about to touch on dedication. So why don't you carry on with what you were saying?
1: Yeah. No, like what I was saying is, um, you know, people – and it's not always the easiest thing to hear. So people uh, Mm -hmm. like to say, I can't stay motivated. I can't stay motivated to do something. And if they choose the word, the, uh, the other word and use the word dedicated um, it's a lot harder to say, I'm not dedicated to it. Yes. Easy to say it's I'm not motivated and motivated means you got motivated. You were something motivated you to do something, something inspired you to do something. But now, the only way you can continue to do that is to be dedicated to it. And that means, you know, doing the things that you need to do to accomplish your goal or task, even on the days you don't want to do them, right? The days that you're yes. like, I really don't want to do this, or I, I don't, I'm not feeling this. Uh, that's when dedication comes into play. And dedication means, you know, sacrificing things that you wouldn't want to sacrifice. You know, you, you may have to, there was tons of times, in my career where my friends were partying and going out and Mm -hmm. having fun. And I knew I needed a certain amount of sleep to be able to perform at my best, to train for my best the next day, which meant either I left very early or didn't go at all. Um, Mm -hmm. There was days where, you know, you don't feel the greatest and you're thinking, oh, maybe I'll just take an extra rest day. But at the level I was playing at, I I I couldn't afford to – to do that and so that kind of has just always carried in my life and i'm very well known for like when it's time to have fun i would definitely want to have fun yeah uh and i will party with the best of them but i also am very conscious of when the, those times are and what effects those things will have on me right so lack of sleep not as great as uh nutrition or yeah Things like that are they're going to affect you. And that's, you know, uh, making those decisions is definitely a factor in your dedication. You have to, you'll go insane. If you're just like, if you try it. there's so many people that try to take these like dive diets or whatever. and yes. say oh, It's not going to eat anything for 30 days. And they're like, great. So you were dedicated for 30 days, but at the end of that 30 day deal that you did, you're like, Oh, I'm going to celebrate by just throwing all that out the window and then not going food and drinks. Right? Not going. Yeah. Not going back to it and that's not, you were dedicated for 30 days. Yeah. That's it, right. So if that was your goal, I just want to do this for 30 days and see if I can, then great. But if your dedication to whatever it is that you want to achieve uh, isn't always first, then you're definitely going to, um, you're definitely going to not see the same results that you, that you maybe think you should or get discouraged by it. I also tell my kids like dedication means finding. I tell my uh, the kids like, like my children, the people I coach. Like, mm-hmm. Dedication means that you have to uh, set a lot of achievable goals, small goals that you yes. can like, celebrate and say, "Yes, I did that. I am improving." You can't just be like, "Okay, I'm going to make it to the Olympics. That's my goal." <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, how are you going to get there? What do you do tomorrow to start that process? And then what does Tuesday look like? And what does Wednesday look like? And what is day by day, even hour by hour, if you need to, but it's like, you can't, you need to set yourself things that you know, you can do and are going to succeed at, and then things that are going to be difficult and you may fail at a bunch of times and still continue to go and still continue to try, because if you're in a position where the minute you fail you're you get discouraged and you're done then you're not learning from what failing is and failing is teaching you every single time you fail And if you fail the same way every single time and never change then you're going crazy um, <laughs> yes. you drive yourself nuts so you, you, you can train or do whatever you set your mindset to to do it and if the techniques and things that you're using aren't working and you're not getting to the point instead of being frustrating and quitting you reach out to somebody who may knows more than you or someone who can help you uh look at it from a different standpoint to figure out what it is that you need to do to get to that point right um, yes and that's that's just really kind of the way i've always seen i guess I, I address it in sport but i address it in life too and i address it in in my work uh mm-hmm. is that you know you you have to give people wins like even in CrossFit, like uh, i'll make sure i program workouts there where people are going to get a win out of it uh still get lots of great work but it's very achievable but then i'll also set a workout up that maybe one percent of the people can actually do it as prescribed and that's fine like that's completely fine and people have to be able to to understand that it's all the small progressions leading into that that finally get someone to that stage of, of where they want to be so you know if you're set like i need to lose 60 pounds maybe you should change that kind of thought because that's a hard thing to stay dedicated to. Because your, you know, your weight goes up and down on the scale all the time. No matter, mm-hmm. how it'd be like I want to, you know, run this fast, this far, or I want to, uh, you know, fit into that shirt, or yeah. things like that. like your body's going to change, and it's going to change daily, and those things have to be accepted, and not held as benchmarks. And I find that's a really big point for a lot of people who are trying to get motivated they're like okay i have i was motivated i saw you know they saw me do something in the gym and they're like that's motivation for me to get up off my butt and work but that's all i'm like that's all that was was just the spark for you to start now you have to figure out and or reach out to somebody to help you figure out how do i stay dedicated to doing this and what do, do i do to set that up Cause it's not, yes. kind of, everybody knows how to just like goal. Like you can, you can Google it. I'm sure there's yeah. lots of templates out there that can teach you how to, you know, run your goals, but it's also much better to talk to people that have, have been through it or are working through it so that yes. you can kind of understand, but yeah, you've got to, you've got to set it up so you have a chance to succeed and that
0: success. Yes. Yes.
1: Definitely you have to if you set yourself up with like this impossible goal. There are people out there that can just say like, I am, you know, I'm going to run a five minute mile. And they don't have any other goal in there to figure that out. And they just stubbornly train. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, there's people out there that achieve it. But yeah. there's 99% of them don't because they, they didn't take it any farther. My mom was a uh, an English teacher. Mm-hmm. I And if you look at it from that perspective, she would say, okay, I got to write an essay. I would write the essay and then she would read it and say, so what? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, so what, what else? So, so what, this is your thesis. Okay. So what? And it, I, it always used to be super frustrating to me because I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. She's like, no, so what, what else? What are the other things that that need to be involved from you to explain your story? You can't assume I know just because that everybody's going to be an english teacher and has read that book you need to know
2: you
1: need to explain it so everybody understands it no matter if they've read it or know what you're talking about by the end of the time you're done they know exactly where your viewpoint is and where you stand and i think you can take that kind of so what attitude into all of your dedication and planning and be like okay so i want to win a gold medal okay so that starts at where do I want to win a gold medal? Okay. I would pick wheelchair basketball. Okay. Now uh, what do I have to do to get there? Well, I have to make, you know, a team before that and the team before that, and then I need to get recognized and then I need to get a tryout, then and I need to make it onto that team.
2: How do I, those
1: things? and my dedication is going to be like, okay, I need to, I need a basketball in my hand all the time. Cause I'm not very good with a basketball and a wheelchair. So I will, I need that in my hand all the time. And I need to make sure that I am succeeding and accomplishing goals so i would set little goals even in that case of like how fast can i get up that hill you know monday it took me seven minutes tuesday it took me six minutes and 30 seconds wednesday it took me eight minutes i don't Mm -hmm. say oh i quit i just got slower i quit i'm like okay learning point you know you you lost your dribble here or there's a crack in the sidewalk there remember that move forward don't dribble on that thing again go (laughs) you took a second to 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 breathe and catch your breath. Well, you can't do that if you want to be faster. Like, and those are things that are dedication and that's, and, and holding yourself to a standard that you can't rely on other people to do. Mm -hmm. Like it's your standard. Yes. And your standard has to be the highest of the, of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. You, You can't be like waiting for other people's praise to say that you did well. And you can't be making excuses to yourself because at the end of the day, it's just you and you. And no yeah. one else can do the work for you. Like, no one can do work for you. You can be motivated as much as you want, but if you're not willing <sighs> to do the work, then it, that, that doesn't matter. You're like, great. Do it. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, that's, and some people that's, don't like to hear that.
0: I don't think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't like to hear it. And that's why a lot of people talk about motivation, motivation, motivation. And I, I love help. the way that you described that. It's not something that I've heard quite yet, but that that, mo- that but that that instant of motivation is what leads you into dedication.
1: That is all it is. is motivating. It's amazing. And you can't rely on people to continue to motivate you. like there's yeah. definitely people out there. like I do that as you know yes, as a
2: job. I of course
1: people. But my real job there is to make sure you do it safely correctly and at a scale that will make you improve you yeah. still have to get up and come to the gym. You still have to pick up yeah. the weight, get on the pull-up bar. You have to do all those things. It's like when yeah. people are like, thank you so much for doing this for me. I was like, I didn't do shit. Half the time I probably told you weren't doing very well. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I, I, I am there saying, these are things you need to do to be better. These are things that you need to do to fix these things, but you still have to do them. Like,
0: You're there for support, right? And, and for a lot of people, myself included, I always appreciated that. And, uh maybe it makes that dedication easier, if you will, because yeah, sometimes sure. I would wake up and not want to go to fricking CrossFit at 7am. But <laughs> I knew that I had the support of not only you and, you know, Nate and Neil, but also of my um, friends and, and, and yeah. other athletes. So Chris in that, in that um, as you talked about deaf. Uh, dedication. This is what I took away from that. And it, and these are all areas that I, we've touched on even with nutrition and with exercise mm-hmm. and with everything, but dedication, you're looking for small actions, yep, achievable goals and yep. long t- working towards long t- dedication for long-term success and habits, not short-term results. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Preach. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> thank you you really summarized that in a way that makes sense and i that's why i friggin' knew you were right you, you were the exact person to talk to about this so i really i really appreciate that um so i'd really quickly i just want to touch on one thing um before we before we wrap up um because you are now a crossfit coach and a great one at that and um you're all about safety and and i, I love it and uh but you're also the founder of WheelWad, wad the a program for adaptive athletes so just talk to us a little bit about the importance of inclusiveness and adaptability and, and accessibility.
1: Yeah. So WheelWide came actually out of like a, a selfish place. I, I, I think because
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I, you know, had uh, started CrossFit. That's where, uh, at industry when Scott Thornton was the owner and, uh, (laughs) We started working together and there was nobody nobody out there doing it there was nobody that we could find in any social channel or or outreach that was like in a wheelchair trying to do this and Mm. we figured out i figured out very quickly that like this style of training this functional style of training was much more suited to me than the you know the textbook style training of going into a gym by myself trying to yeah trying to get the reps done trying to you know move through get in and out and and really no one you know plug your headphones in and be yourself and just and go i i that didn't really work that well for me cuz i needed uh i just needed other people to to suffer with me i guess yeah totally right? like okay we we both we both think this sucks okay let's that's great let's let's
0: go let's give her <laughs> yeah you,
1: i can do it faster than you can um yeah but so i i started building you know movements and things that work well for me without really like any kind of you know expertise on it at all other than just my years of training for, for paralympic sport mm-hmm. uh, so i took a lot of things that i learned there and i built them into a program and then i started reaching out and finding other athletes that were interested when I first started, I was just looking for athletes in wheelchairs and, uh, organizations that were, you know, had athletes with like, uh, amputations or neurological diseases, trying to do the same thing. Yes. Kind of watch what they were doing and, and, and communicated with them and shared all my, uh, kind of knowledge that I was picking up and developing. Uh, and then I got, you know, I think the first year I did the open was 2013. I did the CrossFit open and Mm. it was me and people saw it and decided they wanted to try. So that next year I was helping them, writing programming, just putting it on free. Uh, came up with the idea for like Wheelwad in 2013. It was like, here's this platform where people can just go and find information and I'll have a YouTube channel, I'll have an Instagram and a Facebook and it'll just be just a data dump of like, here's things that work, here's things that didn't work. Yeah. But really trying to tell anybody how to do it, but just like, here's what I'm doing. Do you think, you know, does this work for you? Yes. Uh, and so then 2014, I had like, I think it was 20 guys, 20 guys in wheelchairs, like guys and girls, um, for people in general, I guess you don't, we don't need to classify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: that wanted to, uh, do it with me. They wanted to do the open 2014 with me. So I said, I'll adapt the yeah. open, write it. And I, and, you know, the technical, technology wasn't as advanced as it is now. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was just like i just emailed out the workouts the night before once they released them on crossfit i adapted them that night and just like r- the written description of here's the workout honor system no video no like you know no no grand prize like let's just do them and let's see how everybody does and um that grew to the next year to like 100 athletes oh my gosh uh, <laughs> And we ran our first wheel walk games which like so we did take it wasn't on an honor system. It was like, okay, you got okay. A video. you've got you got a video, your workout, and we need to see, and you have to input your score. And I connected mm-hmm. to competitioncorner.net, and they gave us a platform to record the scores that they were just developing. And after that, it was like the amputees and the, all, the, all the guys standing up that have a, a physical impairment or all the people standing up that have a physical impairment uh, were like, hey, we want to do this too. Yeah, And I was like, all right. So that's what I did. I just started creating like a competitive place, but also just a place for um, people to learn and share stuff to teach each other. And now it's, you know, uh, we're this year, we're going in the wheel games. We're going, it's in being hosted in North Carolina. Uh, we had, I don't know, like 500 athletes try to <laughs> qualify through different stages and, we're down to the top six in each division that are going to wow. North Carolina from all over the world. Like we, yeah. from Japan to Australia to through Europe, South America, Africa, South Africa, uh, everywhere. You know, like Canada. Amazing.
0: Canada.
1: Yeah, and um, so yeah, we it became what it is just kind of by the need for it because there was no place yes. for it. Right. So there was no place for these guys to have it. So it was like, it cost me money to do. I was not, I don't make money off of it. Uh, I make a little bit here and there, but I just dump it back in so we can have a good set of games. Yeah. And, um, it was just because it was something that I felt, uh, I didn't, I stopped like competing with them. I do the workouts test, yeah. them, write the workouts, all that, but I'm not like in the competition. End mm-hmm. of it. Um, but it was just something I felt like I had all these opportunities uh, to compete at a high level in something that I really enjoyed. And I found and then I found this, and I was like, I want to give back and give these people a chance to do the same.
0: Yes. Uh, and, and Chris, have- it sounds like they're like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like with- people were fuck people were screaming to be included. Yeah. Like that's it's it's crazy that it, that it took until 20, whatever you said, 13 or 14. And and I'm not surprised it was someone like yourself. I won't say that. (laughs) It it makes perfect sense that it was, but that it took that long for, for a program like this to exist. And then, and then, okay, well now we're, we're doing like, um, accessible and, and inclusive for people in wheelchairs. And then all those other people were like, well, what the fuck? Like, just cause I have one arm. Yeah. I've seen people with you at the fucking gym <laughs> cleaning a buck 20 with one arm. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, and then, then they were saying I want to be included or, or they're partially blind or whatever, whatever it is. Um, those people want to be included. And I, and the fact that you stand up for inclusive inclusiveness, and accessibility just means so much. And I, and I, th- and fucking kudos to you. And I think that it, people that know you and now know those athletes and know, and now follow and, and this, that, and the other, it just really opens up your eyes to how still to this day, uh, little resource there is a, at a lot of places um, to, to people who need accessibility right
1: yeah. oh yeah it's it's insane and right you know we live in uh we live in a country that at least addresses it a lot more than most so you could okay imagine some of the stuff that the stories and stuff that I'd hear and even through the Paralympics and stuff like how guys were getting around and their equipment and everything that they had and you, you know you just I took for granted a lot of times like companies wanted to sponsor me and and give me uh equipment and help me with my journey when there was a ton of athletes in other countries that were like had nothing like they were competing mm. on like, some of the worst equipment and some of the you know things they've makeshift made themselves and yeah but I never was in a I never wanted to be in a spot to tell somebody that they can't be involved and I don't think that that belongs anywhere to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah. you can't you can't now there are point points in sport especially in disabled sports or in uh, where you have to make a kind of you have to make a line because you need to keep it fair yes right so there has yeah. to be but that is like for the sport end of it but the, the the fitness end of it or the 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 inclusion piece should be for everybody like people ask me all the time why do you run these free classes why don't you charge people on like cause on Saturdays at 1 pm I anybody who goes to our web uh, webpage or instagram page can get the zoom code and we run a free zoom workout and we we coach people through at the beginning and then like, most of the time I jump into the workout and work out yeah. with them, and yeah. we have people from you know a guy comes in at seven o'clock at night in South Africa. We have a girl that yeah. every once in a while wakes up at three o'clock in the morning in Australia and jumps in because they're like we don't have this and no one's willing to do this for us or if they want do this for us it's going to cost a lot of money and we don't have those resources to 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 set on that and i just i i just don't know how you can say you you won't help i just that's always kind of been in my mind as like when people are like oh no i'm not gonna i'm not going to help i'm like if i can help if i can do it and still maintain the stuff that i need to be able to do in my daily life to support my family and and life uh -hmm. i'll do it like i I, as long as i'm you know as long as i'm being conscious to not ignoring everybody else around me just to help everyone uh yeah definitely there's there's no reason not to help i I don't i don't get it but
0: couldn't agree more
1: people should be included and people should not be judged for who they are what they are or Mm -hmm. how they feel like that's that's in my mind, that's bullshit. Like that is, that is you now putting yourself higher than somebody else to say you're a better person than somebody else that you have no idea what they're going through or what they need or yeah. why they're there. Instead, you could turn around and say, oh, you want to be a part of this? Sure. Let's go.
0: Yes. Let's- I love it.
1: Get in. You want to do this? Then come on, we'll do it. Yeah. And as long as you stay dedicated and show up, I'll be there. You know what I mean? But if you're, if, if you're, you know, you say to me five Mondays in a row that you're coming and you're going to do this and you never show up, I've only got so much energy before I, I need to use that for other people in my life. But it's like, if you show up, I'll be there too. That's for totally.
2: Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you're definitely making a very big impact, Chris, on the friggin' world at that. So we thank you for that. Um, so the last question of the podcast is always Could you, Chris, can you tell us what one of your favorite things that you do for self care is?
1: Uh, I do a lot of things that I don't want to do, <laughs> 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 uh, but give I, us I, one,
0: give us one.
1: I, well, things that like I don't like stretching and and muscle manipulation and stuff like that i I don't enjoy that but i do it because i know it's good for me Mm -hmm. but uh the thing that i think i do do like and and really enjoy for self-care is like i've always had this like attraction to water right so i Mm. i pick like if i pick a vacation spot it's definitely on the water like i'm definitely gonna have access to a beach and and water and yeah i want to be able to try you know i learned how to surf one year that i was uh in hawaii and then i learned even more and went um, to help some wounded veterans uh from great britain to u.s and canada the program called operation surf uh and i went down and taught them kind of everything i knew and surfed with them for days and that whole aspect of getting out on the water and forgetting about all the things that like things that are bothering you in your life and just becoming part of the water, you know, you like whether you're riding it on a wave or floating in a pool or.
2: Yeah.
1: It's like just those things. That is my self-care. That's like where I can just like tune everything out for a while and uh, and just look after myself and just enjoy being it. And I think a lot of people are, you know, there's obviously people who are afraid of the water, but I think we're, we're mainly made up of water and we're, yes, And we're probably should be attracted to water and be near water as much as possible. But that's why I like living where we live. And, uh, yeah. And why I have a swimming pool.
0: And you have a pool. Yeah. And you know what, Chris, like I've done, I don't know how many interviews, let's say 10 or 12 or something. And you're the second person that said water. Yeah.
1: Water is fascinating. Yeah. It's just a good place to be. It is. I couldn't agree more. And I feel very free in the water. Uh, I probably, Got more attracted to it since I was paralyzed because,
0: yes.
1: you know, you, I can move so free in the water versus like in everyday life. You don't yes. need to use a wheelchair or anything else to get around, where in the water, it's just I can go wherever
2: I want.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. Um, yeah, I am sure. And that sounds beautiful. Okay, Chris. Well, you know what I think of you. You're the man, the myth and the legend. And I just love you. And thank you so much for being here today. And, uh, you know, as always giving us a kick in the ass, but also teaching us what is possible and that overcoming obstacles is possible. And that, you know, just get over it and just do it um so i really appreciate i really appreciate it and i'm sure i can speak for everybody at crossfit industry and in your life and um in wheel wad and 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 the adaptive athletes and everyone when i say thank you uh and we really appreciate everything that you do
1: i appreciate it. thanks for having me on and uh one of the things i like to tell like especially my ath- adaptive athletes is is try to train or hold your life on the saying that I say all the time and they, they get, they kind of got a kick out of it and it's kind of stuck is just do better. Like you can always do better. Right. Just do better. Like, yeah. Okay. Great. That was great. You had a good day. You did some good stuff. Now (laughs) tomorrow do better. All right.
0: (laughs) Keep it in mind. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. Yeah. No problem. Have a great day. Me too. Bye. thanks for being here everybody i hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you're able to gain some new insight and knowledge into wellness the goal here is to develop habits for long-term success in health and happiness if you enjoy the podcast it would mean so much to me if you could subscribe and follow and leave a review on itunes Let's continue our shift into wellness, support each other along the way, and be the best we can be from the inside out.